Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, sir. It's right on. Well, today I want us. We're going to jump right into the scriptures. So, if you want to uh, go to First Peter, chapter two, uh, if you don't have a Bible, unless you're in the front, there's a Bible in front of you. If you're in the front, there's one behind you. <laughs> and so, uh, if you need a Bible, uh, there should be one right there for you. First Peter two nine. Today we've been talking about reset. And really, I love how uh, uh, part of Greg's word really does tie into that. Because today we're going to talk about identity. Today we're going to talk about our identity. And what happens, uh, of course, when you when you give your heart to Jesus. And if you haven't done that yet, um, I know there's some of you I don't know. So I'm just gonna, I'm not going to assume that everybody here knows Jesus. You need to know Jesus. You need to you need to have him in your heart. You need to have you need to have life. It's it's it changes everything. It's a game changer. It totally changes your life. And when you when you receive Jesus into your life and really you receive his life into you, your identity changes. You're no longer who you were. You're a new creation. All the all the old stuff, all the junk, all of your past is wiped clean and because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross that you are a new person it says that you're now different and that God God sends his Holy Spirit to live in us, and then he is the one that is meant to fill us and empower us to be who we're supposed to be in him. That my identity then is no longer in me, my identity is in him. It's in Christ Jesus. And so, you know, here's the deal about worship. Some of us are, and again, Worship is not an outward thing, okay? So don't, we can't, ju- we can't ever judge worship by, oh man, that person's like jumping up and down. They must be worshiping. Well, maybe, I don't know. That doesn't necessarily mean it. Sometimes deep worship is very quiet. Sometimes passionate worship is, is very intensely quiet. So there's no, there's no one way to say it, but I mean, you know when you're engaged in worship, but worship is, ba- if, if you're not engaged in worshiping God, Whenever that is, and I'm not talking about just Sunday morning, I'm talking about when you're on your own time, uh, when you're with him, you know, one-on-one. But if there's not this, this passion there, there's an identity crisis that's going on. There's, there's either one of two identities that we're missing. Number one, I might be missing identity of God. Who's God? Because if I, if I catch the identity of God at all, man, I'm just like, yes. Whatever worship looks like to you, my heart is moved to that place because when you see who God is, when you know who God is, you have to worship. There's no, there's no other response. I mean, you see people throughout the Bible, what happens when they really meet God? They worship. They fall down. They, they cry out. They give a praise. They do something. Something changes in them, but it's something they're moved in because they have caught a glimpse of who God is. So it's an identity, the identity of God. The second one that sometimes hindered us is we don't know who we are. If I don't know who my identity is, in other words, if I don't know that God has invited me into his presence, has made the way open through Jesus that says, come on in, I've made the way. You don't have, you're not unworthy anymore. I have paid the price so that you can be worthy. I don't have, you know, if I know who God is and who I am, then I abandon myself to worship him. And so that's from your heart. Again, it's not, it, it will express itself in outward manifestations, but it's on the inside. And so we have to have our, our identity right in order for us really to worship without hindrance, to worship without aban- with abandon, because, you know, I catch a glimpse of God. I catch a glimpse of what God has done. When I look at my identity, I'm not looking at me. I'm looking at Jesus. What has Jesus done in me? That's my identity in Christ. That was free, okay? 
That was the first message. So here's the deal. We're talking about our identity. We've been talking about reset, hitting the reset button, just like you'd reset a computer and just clear out the memory and start everything over. So sometimes we need to reset in certain things. And we talked about prayer, reset and prayer, like having a fresh perspective on what it is to pray and that our prayers as the people of God, they're, they're in golden bowls in heaven, it says, and they're being lifted up as incense unto God, that our prayers are forever, that our prayer is something that's eternal. When you pray, it's not something that just disappears in the atmosphere no it goes to the throne of god and there's something going on whether i see it or not whether i hear it or not whether i know it or not there's something going on because my prayer is valuable to god number two we looked at the kingdom last week reset and make sure hey is the kingdom first is the king first it says seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you in other words everything else will be taken care of when i put my needs over the kingdom i am out of order and my needs probably won't be met God promises to meet our needs when he's first. Reset. Kingdom. Kingdom first. I love that we picked the king song. I was glad to have Lisa back picking the songs. Uh, so this was not the worship, you know, the worship leader and pastor, you know, stacking the deck on the songs like last week. Uh, you know, you're my king. I mean, I love that. I mean, last week, that's what we were talking about. Look, where's the king? Where's the kingdom? Wherever the king is, the rule and reign of God. And so when we're declaring, you are my king, then that's where the kingdom is coming in that moment. And think about this. Who is in us as believers in Jesus? The spirit of the king lives us. So wherever I am, that's where the kingdom of God can manifest its power, blessing, and grace. So today, we're going to talk about identity. So we're going to hit the reset button, flip your... Phone on the inside over so it clears out all the junk that doesn't be there. You might have to delete some apps in your heart and mind that are going on, that are, that are playing things that don't need to be played. But we need our identity. We have to know who we are. Here's the deal with identity. Um, number one, and, I'm, and we're going to get to the scripture here, so don't worry. I'm just kind of giving this intro. Um, think about this just in the natural world and then try to apply it spiritually. When I go to my house... And if I knock on the door at night and I don't have my key, the only way that my wife is going to let me in is because she knows who I am. It's my identity that gives me access. So if I was somehow transformed like a science fiction movie into somebody that looked totally different with a totally different voice... And I came and knocked at my door, no matter how many times I said, Hey, honey, it's John. She's going to say, I don't think so, buddy. I don't recognize you. I don't know who you are. You don't sound like him. You don't look like him. And maybe you're not even, you're not talking like him. So my, the identity, think about this, your identity grants you entry into certain things because of who you are. Number two, your identity grants you access to blessing and benefit. When I go to the bank, what makes it possible for me to draw money out of my account? Number one, I have to have money, okay? <laughs> okay, so that's, we, we know that. So there has to be something there for me to access. But then what, what happens? I have to give proof of my identity. I send in a picture ID, especially, you know, when you're going through the drive-thru, and I want to pull money out. I have to have my wallet and let's see if I got my driver's license. Yes, Austin, I am driving with my driver's license this morning. And, you know, this shows that I am who I say I am. So this is not my identity. This identifies who I am. 
and it's because of who I am and I am verified as that person, then I have access to all the funds. It works the same in the kingdom. It's because of who I am in Christ that I have access to the resource of the kingdom of God. Because when I show up to the king... He recognizes me. He says, I know who you are. You rightfully can draw from this benefit. The other thing our identity gets us is belonging. You know, that you belong to someone. Here's the deal. My son, and you know, whether, you know, he can, my children, I'll just say it this way. I've got two sons and a daughter. Um, you know, if my kids say to me, you're not my dad anymore because I did something that they didn't like. Have you ever, any parent ever had them say that? They start early on that, by the way. I'm just giving you, I mean, I'm not telling you which of my kids did that, but <laughs> fine, you're not my dad anymore. Look, a, a moment of anger and words and, and frustration does not change his identity or my identity. Obviously, you know, it's not early talking, okay? So, <laughs> you know, you know, a moment of... Of, of sin or anything, that doesn't change anyone's identity. Because my identity is set in who I am in God. Isn't that awesome? That's a great message right there, huh? We don't even, let's just go eat. <laughs> so 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. So, here's, so that gives you an idea of why is it important to know my identity. Because then there's things that I am, I am saying I'm confident to enter. I don't worry about entering my house. I don't go, well, am I, are they going to know who I am there? Am I allowed in there? No, I, I have, because of who I am, and I have a key too, you know, I have access, I have entry into my house. I have access to the things that I need because of who I am. I can stand up in front of here and, and talk because you're like, oh, I recognize that guy. I know who that guy is. That's the pastor. He should be talking up here. Someone else, you're like, I don't know if I should listen to him. Um, so here's the deal. Our identity is hugely important. You, we always act out of our identity. No matter who you are, if you believe you're a certain way, you're going to act out of that identity. We all put, you know, you can put on a false identity. You know, people pretend all the time that there's someone else that they're not, right? What, it, what is that? It's a false identity. It's almost like, you know, Mission Impossible where you've got one of those masks. You try to put a mask over yourself and Tom Cruise becomes anybody he wants until he rips it off, you know. And have you ever seen that movie, anybody? Okay. Okay, good. I'm glad you're not... It's like, wait till you're older. <laughs> wait till your parents like you. Anyway, it's a guy movie too, so like, it's boring. So, you know, I mean, you know, but you live out of who your identity is. You always, if you believe you're, you know, in who you are and who God has made you to be, you're going to live that way. If you're unsure, you're going to live that way. You're not going to be bold. You're not going to be expecting. You're not going to be confident when you pray, when you ask God for something, when you enter into his presence. If you're not sure of your identity, there's a question. Do I belong here? Do I have access? Am I supposed to enter in in this moment? 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. We're just going to look at a few things about who we are in Christ. And so if you're not in Christ yet, then this is a blessing that's awaiting you as you choose to turn your life to Jesus. It says, 1 Peter 2, 9, but you're a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful or marvelous light. 
So many times, look at, look at what that scripture says. It says, once you were, but now. Once you were, but now. Sometimes we focus too much on the once you were's, but we need to focus on the but now's. In my life, if I am saved, if I have been changed by Jesus, I don't have to live as a once you were anymore. And that means, you know, and I can live as a but now. I want to live in the but now of God. What God says now, once you were not, but now you are. Once you had not, but now you have. So I am, I become, and so I, I, I act out of that. Look what it says, you know, because you are, then you declare praises. You know, this is my scripture for my, my class in Bible college. You know, we picked a scripture every year and we, we said called to worship, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You know, we, we were chosen in order to act a certain way, in order to be a certain way. And it says, number one, we are a chosen people. Being chosen is an awesome thing. I've, I've, t- I've told the story before. That, you know, if you're picked last at whatever, nobody likes to be picked last, right? And he, how, how about this? Even worse, what about the person that says, no, we're not even picking you at all. You can't play. You can't play the game with us. You're not good enough. You're, you know, whatever. Go be a cheerleader. You're, even though you're a guy, just go do some moves, okay? Um, <laughs> you know, it... Being chosen changes everything. Everybody likes to be picked. Everybody likes to be chosen. I mean, can you imagine that God says, hey, you're chosen. You're you're a chosen one. You know, you're a chosen people. The word people there kind of has the connotation, too, of family. It has the the idea of belonging that you, you know, I've chosen you to be a part of me. I've chosen you to to be a part of who I am. That's an awesome thing from the Lord. In In our society... What is ramp, one of the things that's rampant in our society is just rejection. You know, we face rejection all the time in our relationships, maybe in our job situations, just in conversations with people. There's, there's all kinds of ways where we're not being chosen, where we're being pushed back, where we're saying, you're not enough, you're, you're not good enough, you don't make it, I don't care what you think, you're being rejected. And see, when you're rejected over and over and over and over again, you begin to live out of that rejection. And so when you live out of rejection, you live with fear. You live with, with gar- a guarded heart. You live with insecurity because you're not sure, hey, I don't want to open myself up to someone else because I might be rejected again. And God says, no, look, I have the solution. I chose you. I picked you. You are a chosen one of mine. And so I don't want, no longer let the spirit of rejection rule my heart. I allow the spirit of adoption to rule my life that says, that cries out, says, I'm God's, I belong to Him, I've been rescued, I've been changed, I'm His son or His daughter. So right now, here's the thing, I really feel it, I felt this strongly when I was preparing this message. Right now, God wants to break rejection off of some of you. So if that's you, just, just gently, nobody's looking around. Just, just place your hand on your heart right now. We're just going to break off any rejection that has been spoken over us, that has been 
put onto us because of other people or situations, maybe our own decisions. It doesn't matter where it came from. We're going to break that off this morning. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of rejection that would try to harm any of these hearts in here. And I address you by the authority of Jesus. I break your power in the name of Jesus. Rejection, go. These ones have been chosen by you, O oh Lord, these are chosen by God, and you are trespassing on God's property. Let rejection be broken in our hearts, Lord. Let us never live from that place anymore. Let us live from the place that you have chosen us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we break rejection. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Let's give God some praise for that, huh? Amen. God, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Man, I'm amped up today. I think it's because I get to eat dessert today. We break our fast, huh? Anybody ready to break that fast? You've been fasting some stuff? Um, yeah. So it's, so it's good to fast. I, I just say, hey, look, just remember this. Don't do it just at the start of the year. Let's be reminded to do this. I'm not always going to call the church to do that. But in your lives, it's good. Just take a day or a day or two, you know, a month or two, whatever, you know, Listen to the Holy Spirit. Those are times where throughout the year we just get to reset and get reconnected sometimes. What does it say, number two? You are a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. I've never thought of this before, but here's the deal. Royalty only happens two ways. You only get to be royalty in two ways. Birth or marriage. I've been birthed, and I'm a part of the bride of Christ. I am doubly royal. I am doubly royal because of Jesus. I, that is such an awesome thing. Hey, you know what? And royal people in the kingdom, you know what? Their identity confirms that they have the ability to perform what the king says they can perform. They can do what the king says they can do. They can have what the king says they can have because by birth, by right, they have access to that because of who they are. So you've been made royalty in the kingdom of God, it says, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. It says a holy priesthood. What does a priest do? What, what is a priest for? Somebody you go into a dark room and confess your sins to? Well, I mean, that's... That's, that kind of gets some of the idea, actually. A priest is someone who intercedes, who ministers to God for themselves, but not just for themselves, but for others. In the Old Testament, what did the priests do? They would first offer the sacrifice for themselves. They would get all cleansed and all, that, all the junk off of them. But then they would not stop there. They wouldn't stop at themselves because a priest is never operating just for them. It's for someone else as well. Then they would make sacrifices and intercede for the forgiveness and freedom of the people. And so that's our job too. As royal, as a royal, as ones who are sent by God, sent by the king, I am a royal priesthood meant to minister to God for me, but also to minister for someone else, that I am meant to stand in the gap for those who have not come in yet. Man, my prayers are powerful because I am one of the king's sons, or you or who are daughters, you're one of the king's daughters. You're pleading before the king to bring this one, to intercede for this one, that is not in the kingdom yet. That's what a priest does. The second thing a priest does, according to the Old Testament, the priest's inheritance was different than all the other people in the people of God. 
What did the priests inherit? Anybody remember? You're like, I don't want to say the wrong thing, right? <laughs> it's a good choice. I was like that too. I don't want to. Okay, you know when they went? Okay. Go read the whole Old Testament. You'll get it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the people of God come into the promised land. You know, they, they come in there with Joshua. And what happens? They all get a piece of the land. Okay. But the priests, they didn't get any land. God, what God said was, you get me instead. God is their inheritance. God is their portion. Can you think about that for yourself? That God says, man, I'm. I'm yours. I'm giving all of me. I gave all of me so you could have all of me. I'm the inheritance. Man, if you, and if you, the more you know him, you go, you're worth it. You're, you're everything I need. You know, no place I'd rather be, Lord, than here in your love. A royal priesthood. We inherit God himself as priests. Number three, it says we're a holy nation. So like a, a group of people, uh, you know, that we're, we're not, it's not just about me personally. You'll notice, notice all these are plural because we only belong truly in the community. And it's a family, you know, in the kingdom. It's, a gr- it's always a group. It's never just about you and God. I mean, those people that say, oh, I'm off. It's just me and God and I, I love Jesus and that. No, it's, it's never just about you. It's about being brought into something greater than you. The blessing of God is released in the community of God. It says, look, you're a holy nation. Look, the word holy there is the same word that's used for God. When it says holy, 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 when it says throughout the scriptures, he's the holy one. It's the same word in the New Testament, hagios, holy. What does holy mean? Set apart, totally unique, totally other than. So as a holy group of people, we're, we're set apart. We're, we're different. I don't even have to act different. I already am different. That's who I am. My identity says I am different than the world. If my identity is anything else, then I begin to, you know, when I have a false identity, I begin to blend in with the world, right? It's only because I've got a mask on. I have covered up who I truly am. I can't change who I am. It doesn't matter if I say you're not my dad. You know, that don't matter. That's still by birth. I am a child of God because I've received Jesus. I've repented of my sins and I put my faith in him. It's a done deal. So I'm a whole, we are holy. We're a holy people. And man, if I, if, I, if I treated myself, my body, my mind, my soul, my spirit, my thoughts as holy, man, people still get, you know, holy. They, they know, in, you know, in some parts of the country, you know, People do different things when they walk into a church building, right? You know, you walk into a church building, you're like, well, I don't want to do all that bad stuff I do out there. You know, because there's a sense of, hey, this place is, is set apart, right? It's different. It's unique. Now, there's nothing really special about the place. It's because God is present in his people that makes it special. But even people who don't know God understand holy because, you know, well, don't, want, don't swear in church, right? <laughs> and some people don't care, and that's fine because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they think. It's a matter of once you, get, once you meet God, you know, oh, he's different. So I'm, I'm holy. Start acting like you're holy. Start acting like you're set apart. Live like you have, been, you have been placed outside of all the junk that's around you. Say, no, I'm holy. I'm set apart from that. I'm different. I'm unique. 
What does the fourth thing say? It says that you might, a people belonging to God, or it says in, in the old King, King James, it say uh, like a peculiar, peculiar people, right? The word there, you know, we're a peculiar possession. In other words, uh, it's, it's like a specialty, you know, it's when God says, hey, you belong to me. He's not just saying you're just one of the, you're just one of the average ones. You know, it's no big deal. You're just like it's you don't you don't matter to me. No, he's saying, no, here's here's the special ones. You know, when I, I collected uh, baseball cards a, as a kid and football cards and, you know, we just recently my brother moved and those cards have been traveling around. You know, they, they were with my parents and then my dad left them in Midland at my brother's house, and then my brother said, I'm not taking your baseball cards with me on the truck to Austin. And so we sorted them out, and we argued, no, that's mine, buddy, that one might be worth money, and all that kind of stuff, you know. Give me the Bo Jackson, I know that was mine. Okay, um, <laughs> but you know, the baseball cards, football cards, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not a girl, so this is boring you. <sighs> so, um, <laughs> I know you all were up late, huh? Okay, so... Base, the, the deal about collecting baseball cards, you know, in, in, the, in the 80s, you know, anybody alive in the 80s? Several of you weren't, but you know, the 80s, the baseball cards, you know, it was kind of the cool thing. My dad told me a story that he had, he had Mickey Mantle rookies and all this kind of stuff, but his dad threw them away. <laughs> There's some people that like no baseball cards. They're like, oh my gosh. You know, I mean, he had all those guys from the 60s. I mean, they were just in a shoebox. And you know what? We wish we could have found that inheritance that God had stored up for us in the, in the attic, but it was, it was not to be, okay? And so in the 80s, there was a big push for baseball cards because you're like, what if I have the next Mickey Mantle 30 years from now? I can get 50 grand for just one card. So we're all, you know, you put them in the nice plastic things. You, you know, you want to take care of them. You don't want them to get bent because they're, they're more valuable if they're in perfect condition. And so... You know, but, but the special ones, there's ones that are special. You know, you put all of them in plastic, but then you get the bigger plastic thing that you pay more money for as a kid. Uh, you pay more money than the... I paid more money for the case than it's worth now. I can tell you that, okay? You know, you get the big old plastic case and you put the special cards in the big plastic case because they are your peculiar possession. They are, they are special to you. They are, they are set apart. They're different. I definitely want this one. I want to keep this one and know it's, know it's mine. That's exactly what this word means here. It's saying God says, look, hey, look, that one right there, all these right here. These are some special ones. These are not just the regular old ones that I just shove in the shoebox. These are not the regular old people that's, that are not valuable. No, they're so valuable. They are a specialty item to me. They are a special person to me. And they are, they're going to be kept in a special place because I love them and I value them. Man, isn't that, doesn't that make you... That makes me want to say, yeah, God, that makes me want to worship. That's what it says in this scripture. You know, you, you are so you can. You know, you, you know who you are and then you, can, then you can speak out. You know, we declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What an amazing thing to be able to do that. But it's all based on our identity. When I don't know who I am, then I don't enter in. I don't access. I don't, I don't try to pull from the resource of heaven. I mean, can you imagine, you know, if I'm a royal priest, I am doubly royal by birth and by marriage. You know, I can, I'm coming to God as someone who's his. It's not like I'm coming to him and it's like, who are you? 
hey, can you show me your, your ID, pal? Because, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if you're really one of mine. <laughs> Give me some proof. No, the proof, you know, the only proof of identity we show when we come to God is Jesus. It's Jesus. I mean, think about, think about all that. There's so many scriptures that say who we are. You start in the book of Ephesians, and it just starts going through them. Because, and it, Ephesians is a book, the first three chapters, it, it just tells who we are. You know, you've been chosen. You've been redeemed. You've been set apart. You, you know, God has predestined you. All these different things. You know, you've been saved by grace. You're his workmanship, you know. Um, and, all the, and whatever chapter 3 says, I can't remember right now. So... You know, and then it says, then because of that, because you used to be darkness and now you're light, therefore act this way. In other words, you don't, you're not just, you know, following Jesus is not about following a bunch of rules and doing a certain things. It's being a certain person and naturally you are that person. You act out of who you are. You will totally act out of who your identity is. If you believe your identity is questionable in God's sight, then you're going to act questionably in God's sight. If you are assured of your identity in Him, then you're going to be more confident in every single area of your life because you know who you are. I don't ever question going to the bank and saying, golly, I wonder if they're going to give me my money. I mean, think about that. We don't ever question that. You go to the bank, you check the balance, and you go, all right, I got 20 left. One shot on the ATM, right? You know, hopefully you got more than 20, but whatever. Sometimes we're in that place. You know, God will bless you beyond that, double that this week, Lord. So, you know, I, I don't have any hesitation to just go get what I want. As long as my wife says it's okay. <laughs> right? Or, or vice versa. Actually, you know, she didn't get it without me. Um, so... <laughs> Whoever runs the money in your family, okay? But here's the deal. It's because I'm confident of my identity. I mean, I, you don't even have to think twice. The more you understand who you are in Jesus Christ, you don't have to think twice about doing it. You don't have to go through the mental gymnastics and fight off all the thoughts that are saying, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. Don't you remember what you did? You're not, you're not. Can you remember that stupid thing you did? Can you remember the worst thing you ever did? You know, that's, that's the enemy wanting to hinder who you are because he knows who you are. The devil knows who you are. He, you are recognized in hell. Okay, because I have the presence and the power of God on me. There's, a, there's, a, there's an account of a, uh, a very powerful like psychic uh, witch type lady. And she could see in the spirit. I don't remember whose book this is from. It's in a book, okay? But she could see in the spirit you know, how much spiritual power each person had around them. So she was like clued totally into the spiritual realm, just on the dark side. Okay, and so I believe it was this person came walking up to her and immediately she knew he was a a Christian. He was a follower of Jesus. And he said, how can you tell? She said, I can see all the Christians because there is such a huge amount of spiritual power resting over them. But most of them don't know it. They don't know what they have because they don't know who they are. So... Getting my identity straight is totally important. So I encourage you this week. I encourage you as you're, as you're following the Lord. You know, sometimes you just need to reset and be reminded. Who has God made me to be? 
And beyond that, then he gives us special and unique things. He says, look, you're all these things, but then I've given special things that are just for Shane. I've given him special gifts. I've given him special anointing. I've given him special callings and ministries that only Shane can do because that's who he is. Because God has said, that's who you are. Man, you always want to go back to the creator to find out what something is supposed to be or do, right? I mean, you don't, you don't go to someone else who's, who's down the manufacturing line and say, what's this supposed to be? Well, I don't even know why, why we're doing this. No, you go, back to the, you go back to the designer, the creator. The creator and designer knows exactly what they are doing. If someone creates and makes an invention, they're like, this is, the, this is what it's for. This is what it's meant to be. It doesn't matter how, how people use that thing or abuse that thing for other uses. The intent and purpose of the designer and maker is what ultimately matters. And when we come back to Jesus, when we give our hearts to Jesus, we're ultimately saying, you're the one who made me. You're the one who, is, who you know, ultimately has a design for me, so I must come to you. So let's, let's, uh, let's, let's close our eyes for just a second. Let's just, begin to, let's just begin to pray. Father, we just thank you for this truth right now. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for reminding us of things. We thank you for scriptures being stirred in our heart right now lord we just thank you we thank you lord that you have rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son you love lord we thank you that we were once darkness but now we are light in the lord lord we were once without mercy once we were not but now we are lord we thank you for the now i pray that every single person would live in the now of god lord that is the kairos moment lord we are living in the now we are not living in the we're not we are living in the but now but god you have said you have spoken you have done you have acted and lord we just thank you we freshly commit and just entrust our lives to you lord how could we not when we see what you've done we're just going to say no you're my king oh i've seen i'm reminded of who you are and what you've done god you're my king you're the one i love lord i i i abandon everything just like peter says lord who else can we go to lord we've left everything to follow you you alone have the words of life so we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to be the, the resetter of these identities. Lord, let us not live from any false identity. Let us not have to put a mask over ourselves. Lord, we don't have to be ashamed of what we once were because of now who we are is different than who we were. Because you have saved us. You have cleaned us. You have forgiven us. You have changed us. You have empowered us. You have called us. You have set us apart. You have made us holy. You've said I, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. We thank you for that, God. We thank you that we are because you have done. And so right now, if there's anybody in here who says, I've never given my heart to Jesus, can you lift your hand real quick? I want to pray with you. Anybody who says, I've never given my life to God, I need to do that this morning. I have not done that, and I need to do that. So we're just take just a second. Just lift your hand and say, I need Jesus this morning. I need him in my heart. Look, this is the most important decision of your life. This, this changes everything. This is not a fantasy. This is not something I'm just getting emotional about. No, there, there is something real that has been encountered because we have encountered a living God. Anybody, anybody else? Go ahead and wave your hand at me. All right. Thank you, Lord. We're going to believe, Lord, that you have called all of these into your kingdom, Lord. You've called us into your family. 
we thank you, Lord, that we will not live out of rejection anymore. Lord, we won't live. It doesn't matter how many people have done it. Lord, the most important person, the most important person, all all of creation has said, I choose you. I choose you. And so we, don't, we won't live from rejection anymore. Lord, we, Lord, we pray that nasty little, little demon that tries to come in with those voices and says, you're not, you're not. Don't you know people have said who you are? Well, we're just going to say, Lord, we turn, that, we turn that frequency off right now in, in the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we tune to your frequency that says, I chose you. Hey, you're, you're, you're my child. Abba, Father, hey, I'm going to call out from you and say, hey, God, you're my daddy. I belong to you. I belong to you. I've been chosen. Thank you for doing that this morning, God. Thank you for a fresh uh, just, just perspective and, and just a fresh revelation. For some of us, it's just a quick reset. Maybe for some of us, it's a hard reset. We're like, we're like I need a, I need, that's going to change my life from this day forward. I don't know, Lord, but I know you, you're going to do it. I know it's you, Holy Spirit, in us. Just as, just as Greg said earlier, Lord, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to freshly encounter our hearts. Lord, give us a fresh, give us a personal Pentecost. Lord, we, we need that. We need that ongoing. We don't need it just one time. Lord, any of us who haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're just inviting you to fill us. Lord, we, we just invite you to freshly touch us with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we, we need you. We need the power of God in our lives. We thank you for that. We thank you for that, Lord. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Bless our, bless our meal, God. We're going to go eat. And, Lord, we just thank you for the time of fellowship that we can have together. Bless this food that everyone's prepared. And we just give you all the glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come on up. Before you go, here's the deal. We're going to go eat lunch. And I encourage you. Um, first of all, everybody stay for lunch. Whether you brought food or not, there's tons of food, trust me, okay? Please don't make us take all of this home. There, there's tons of food. Uh, don't worry about that. Number two is if you're a part of our church family, please stay for the meeting. We're not just talking business. We're going to share some things about some ministry. Keep it as short as possible, but make sure everybody's updated. And just we only do this once a year. So we only ask to do this once a year. So if you can stay, please stay for that part as well. So, but we're going to be meeting down there, down the hallway. You will go in to eat. On this side of the building, there's a door on this side. Come in on the west side, exit on the east side to the tables.